Thank you for your resurrection. Thank you for your love for us. And I pray today that as we come to open your word and to hear what your uh, word says, I pray that you would uh, speak to each one of us. Lord, of all the things that are, might be going on in our lives as we come today, you've, you've orchestrated this moment where we get to, get to hear your word. And I pray that the power of your word would be known in our lives today, that we would hear your word speaking to the situations that we're going through in our week gone and in the week ahead of us. And so I pray that this will be true in your precious name. Amen. So it's the Easter season, as you are well aware, and what we've been doing as a church is looking at different prayers that come up um, in, in the scriptures that we generally focus on around Easter time. And on Good Friday, we looked at um, a prayer that Jesus prays while he's on the cross being crucified. He says in Luke twenty three thirty four, he says, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. And this prayer was like a, um, an ultimate example of the readiness that Jesus has to forgive people for, for the wrong things that they've done, um, the things that they've done against him. And even he's in that moment, he's praying for, for forgiveness for those who are nailing him to the cross. And so we sought to apply that um, idea of forgiveness to our own lives um, first, seeking seeking forgiveness for ourselves, um, if if we if we felt that you know God was leading us that way, but also seeking to apply a manner of forgiveness in our lives and our relationships with others, um, and and out of the overflow of the forgiveness that Jesus has given us. And so today we're going to look at another prayer. It's Resurrection Sunday, and this time we're moving past the, the death of Jesus on the cross and and towards um, you know a prayer that relates to. His resurrection out of the grave, okay? And so today we're going to open up to Ephesians chapter 1. If you have your Bible there or if you have, you know, um, your phone with the Bible on it, Ephesians chapter 1, we're going to start from verse 15. And this is a prayer that the Apostle Paul prays for the church. He prays this for the church in Ephesus. And what we're going to see at the heart of this prayer is that Paul is praying that the church would come to a knowledge of God that extends beyond knowing about God and moves into the realm of experiencing God. It's one thing to know about God, but it's another thing to experience a living relationship with Him. And so Paul is praying this prayer for the church. He's saying, I don't just want you to know about Him. I want you to have a relationship with Him. I want you to know what it's like to experience Him in your life. And what he's saying is this is possible by the power, the the same power that rose Jesus from the grave. And so this is what he says, Ephesians 1, starting at verse 15. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. He's saying that to the church there. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better, so that you may know God better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. And this is the third thing that he's, that he's um, praying that we, would, that we would know, his incomparably great power. For us who believe, that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand 
in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And so did you catch what the the prayers were for the church there in Ephesus? Paul prayed that God would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we could know God better. Then he prayed that the eyes of our hearts would be opened so that we could know our hope that we have in Jesus, our inheritance, our eternal life, our eternal relationship with him. And the final one was that we would know God's power, which is for us who believe in him. And he says that power that he's talking about is the same power that brought Jesus up out of the grave, that same transforming power that can break the power of death and sin and brokenness in this world and in our lives. He says that power is for us now. Paul is praying a prayer that takes our head knowledge about God and moves it into a heart knowledge, right? The kind of knowing that says whatever God did to bring Jesus um, back from the grave, I've had an experience of that same power. You know, I've seen things in my life that I thought were broken, you know, too far gone, you know, just seemed like they were tainted by sin and and dead parts of me and and they've actually been changed and transformed and brought back to life in a sense, been made new in a sense with this same sort of transformative power that Jesus brings into our life, right? That's the thing that Paul is praying that the church would be able to experience in their lives. When Paul prays these prayers, he doesn't just want us to gain an understanding of God like, like we can understand a math problem, right? He's not saying that. He's, he's, saying, he's praying that the church might know God in a way that we can have a genuine, real experience with him, a spiritual experience with, with God, and that that would be through Jesus' life, his death and his resurrection. And so the difference is between knowledge and experience, Right? Some of us may know a lot about God, may assume that we have um, you know, uh, everything sort of squared away in the way that we think um, God is. Um, but uh, the difference is, is quite, it's quite another thing to experience Jesus, to have, it, have relationship with him, to have him living in you. And so it's, it's kind of like, it's one thing to know everything about the, your favourite footy team, right? You know how each, each player plays, you know what each player is good at, you know all the stats, you like watching them play, but it would be quite another thing to run out onto the field with them, right? And to actually play the game with them. That would be a different experience, right? It's the difference between knowledge of a, of a footy team and, and the, the, the knowledge of ex- experiencing football with them. Right, that would be different. The other thing I think about, and this is mainly because I love food, is that if you could imagine you're watching, you know, your favourite celebrity chef making your favourite dessert, you know, and you watch it on the screen there and they're, um, you know, showing you how to make it and you can see the recipe and the method and you may have even tried to make it at home, but you could imagine if you were in their restaurant that they owned and they were working in the kitchen and they're making that favourite dessert of yours right? <laughs> Chocolate mud cake or, or whatever it is for you. And, and it comes out to your table and you taste the flavours and you experience that dessert in a way that is, that is just so different from seeing it on screen. I think that when Paul is sharing this prayer in Ephesians with us and with the church, he wants us to be able to move past knowing about God, what we think we know about the Bible, what we think we might have known about who God is and the way that we think it should be, he says, you know what? You can have all of that knowledge and then never actually get to taste what it's like to have experience with Jesus, 
to have a lasting change in your life and that change that can be brought by the power of the resurrection. He says this is made possible when we experience relationship with Jesus, when we, when we say, yes, Jesus, I need you in my life. I need your sacrifice on the cross, but I also need your new life, right? I need your new life. I need your spirit dwelling in me. I wonder if some of us um, have seen the movie Goodwill Hunting. Has anyone seen that movie? It's a bit of a classic. I, I think it's a good one. You may remember the scene where Sean, the psychiatrist, who's played by Robin Williams, um, is seated on a park bench with, this, with his young rebellious client named Will, right? And um, quite funny, I have a little nephew who can be a bit rebellious. His name is Will too. No, that's, he's actually here today. So um, anyway, Will is played by Matt Damon. Right, and they're sitting on the park bench together. And up until this point in the movie, Sean, the psychiatrist, is trying to work with um, with uh, Will and trying to just, you know, get some breakthrough there. And he and he's had no real no real success. And he's having this last ditch effort of trying to break through to him and just say, "Hey, come on, this is, you know, I'm I'm here to help you and this sort of thing." And what he does, he talks about the difference between knowing about something. Um, and on the other hand, experiencing something for yourself. Because something about Will is that in this movie, he's a genius, right? He's never left Boston and he's never left his, his town and he's just um, kind of put aside this, this, uh, this fact that he's a genius and he knows pretty much everything. Like he can just, anything that you could imagine. And so this is what Sean says to him. They have this conversation. He says, if I asked you about art... You could give me the skinny on every art book ever written. You know, you could tell me about Michelangelo. You'd know all, a lot about his life's work, criticisms, political aspirations, but you couldn't tell me what it smells like in the Sistine Chapel. You know, you've never actually been there and looked up at that beautiful ceiling, he says, right? That difference between knowledge and experience. He says, if I asked you about women, you'd probably give me a syllabus of your favourite types, but you don't know what it's like to wake up next to a woman and be truly happy. He says, if I asked you about war, you'd probably throw Shakespeare at me, right? Once more into the breach, my dear friends. But he says, you've never been near one. You've never held your best friend's head in your lap, watching him gasp his last breath. He says, if I asked you about love, you'd probably quote me a sonnet, but you've never looked at a woman and been totally vulnerable. You've never known someone who could level you with their eyes, right? And he goes on drawing these different comparisons between knowledge, which this young guy, Will, had, and experience, which he did not have. And this this, um, older, wiser psychiatrist, Sean, is kind of saying, hey, I've been through some of this stuff. You don't actually know everything about life. I'm here to help you, you know? And um, he's saying, I don't just, what, what Paul is saying in Ephesians 1, is he saying, I don't just want the church to know about God. He's saying there's a big difference between knowing about God as though they've understood some information out of a book, you know, that was written a long time ago. But he's saying that he he desires for the church to have had the experience of relationship with God, you know, to have been able to taste the the change that Jesus brings to our lives when when we accept relationship with him. In the message translation, this I think it's verse 17, he says, he's praying that God would make us intelligent and discerning in knowing him personally. In the Passion Translation, he, Paul's prayer sounds like this. 
that God would impart to you the riches of the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation to know him through your deepening intimacy with him. Did you ever imagine that it would be possible to live in relationship with God, with the creator God, with someone who knows you more than anyone else does? I wonder today, do you know God? Maybe we know a lot of things, you know. Maybe, maybe we know a lot about the Bible. Maybe we grew up in church or we've got a background in, in church somehow, but, but maybe we've never actually experienced relationship with Jesus. Have you experienced relationship with Jesus who is alive, who's been raised up from the grave, or do you just know about him? Right, my prayer for us today is that we would not just know about him, but that each one of us would know what it means to live in relationship with him, and that's possible for us today. Right, we believe he rose from the grave. He's alive today. He is risen. He is risen indeed, and we can have relationship with him if we invite him to live in our hearts if we accept his death on the cross for us. You know, before the Apostle Paul became a Christian, right, this is the guy who wrote those words that we've been reflecting on. He was a guy who thought he knew everything about God. He he grew up in that rich Jewish Jewish, uh, history and he thought he was superior in his understanding of God. He even thought he had lived a life that pleased God and that he was in many ways like God's champion. I'm going to set everything right because I know what God is like. That's, that, that's, that's what his attitude was. He thought the different religious practices he'd held to made him close to God. And yet what he found was that when he met Jesus on the road to Damascus, I don't know if you've ever read that story. He's on the road to Damascus to um, persecute the church that was there. He was going to lock him up, put him in jail, and Jesus uh, kind, of, kind of knocks him over in a flash of light and says, Paul, Paul, you know, Saul, Saul, actually, is what he said. He experienced a living Jesus who he thought was long dead. All of his prior understanding of God came crashing down, you know. He realised that all of his preconceived ideas about God became like garbage to him. And I want to read this little testimony that he has where he talks about the difference that it made to come into relationship with Jesus. You know, and not just have knowledge about him, but to actually experience that in his life. And, and uh, we're going to read from Philippians chapter 3. And I want to read out of the Passion Translation, starting at verse 4. He says, It's true that I once relied on all that I had become, you know, all that I knew about God. I had a reason to boast and impress people with my accomplishments more than others, for my pedigree was impeccable. He says, he's kind of talking about his religious pedigree, his, his religious um, leadership pedigree. He says, I was born a true Hebrew of the heritage of Israel as the son of a Jewish man from the tribe of Benjamin. I was circumcised eight days after my birth and was raised in the strict tradition of Orthodox Judaism, living a separated and devout life as a Pharisee. Right? When you hear those credentials as a Jewish person, that's like saying, Okay, this guy's pretty serious. He, he, he knows a lot about God. And concerning the righteousness of the Torah, concerning, you know, all the laws of the Old Testament, all 613 of them, he says, no one surpassed me. He says, I was without a peer. Furthermore, as a fiery defender of the truth, 
I persecuted the Messianic believers with religious zeal, right? He's talking about the church on his way to Damascus. I persecuted them with zeal. I was going to squash these people who didn't have it right. I knew what was right. And he says, yet all of the accomplishments that I once took credit for, I've now forsaken them. And I regard it all as nothing compared to the delight of experiencing Jesus Christ as my Lord. To truly know Him meant letting go of everything from my past and throwing all my boasting on the garbage heap. (laughs) He says, it's all like a pile of manure to me now. He actually said that. So that I may be enriched in the reality of knowing Jesus Christ and embrace Him as Lord in all of His greatness. Right? He says, my passion is to be consumed with Him and not cling to my own righteousness. Before His passion was to be consumed with uh, showing others where they were getting it wrong, right? And to, and to prove that He knew the right way. And now He just says, my passion is just being consumed with Jesus. Not cling to my own righteousness based in the written law, right? The Old Testament re- religious law. He says, my only righteousness, my, the only way I can stand right before God will be based on the faithfulness of Jesus Christ, right? The very righteousness that comes from God. And I continually long to know the wonders of Jesus and to experience the overflowing power of His resurrection working in me, right? That's those powerful words there, the resurrection of Jesus at work in Him. And the good news today is we can have the resurrection power at work in us and in our lives today. The things that are broken, the things that seem like they're just dead in our life, messed up, beyond repair. It's like, hold on a second. Jesus' resurrection is bringing a promise of transformation, a promise of new life, a promise of restoration for us. This goes beyond just um, our sin. It goes beyond, it goes into our relationships with others. It goes into the things that we haven't been able to break out of, our addictions, all of this stuff. Jesus' power can affect our life. He says, only then will I be able to experience complete oneness with him in his resurrection from the realm of death. You know, I'm going to close in prayer in a moment, but something we always do here, for some of our visitors might not be aware of this, but we're always um, offering an opportunity to respond. You know, and we're not making people get out of their seats, but I'm, I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't invite you to make a response today to the word that we've, that we've heard, to this, this idea that we might be able to experience Jesus for ourselves in our lives, um, in our relationships, in the things that are broken. And so I want to invite you to do that. I want to invite you to make that response in your heart today. Um, if, you're feeling, if you're feeling led to say, yeah, actually, there are some stuff, there are some things that are going on in my life that I need help with, that I need Jesus to help me overcome, then you can do that. So let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for your message. Thank you for your truth that um, Easter is not just a time we remember your death, as important as that was. We thank you for your sacrifice, but at the same time, we want to remember your resurrection. We want to remember that you have secured new life for us, 
We want to remember that you have made a way um, for our dead and broken parts to be made new and that that same power that rose Jesus from the grave is available to us today. I pray that if anyone here wants to accept that power, to accept your life, death and resurrection for themselves and commit themselves to you and say, yes, please, Jesus, I need you in my life. I pray that they would have the boldness and the courage to make that step. There might be another way for us to respond today in that maybe we thought we knew a lot about God. Maybe we thought we had everything squared away, our knowledge of what the Bible is. And, and, um, and just now we're thinking, mm, maybe, maybe there's more. And just like Paul, you might be able to say, you know what, I'm going to set all of that aside and, and consume myself with Jesus and understand um, him in a new way and experience a relationship with him. I pray that, that would be true for us. I pray this in your precious name, Lord. Amen. Amen.